potluck right after the noon service. If uh, you are going to come back and be a part of that, just bring back some sides and some desserts. We've got hamburgers and hot dogs uh, that we will be cooking up. And that leads to my second announcement. If you like to grill, we are looking for somebody that will uh, grill starting about noon to make, you know, get a whole bunch of hamburgers and hot dogs sort of built up so that when the hordes are released at uh, one o'clock, they will, uh, there will actually be hamburgers and hot dogs for them to start eating. So uh, if that's something that you'd be interested in, let me know. Uh, also, VBS starts tomorrow, which is why all of this, it's uh, a sky, it's called Sky. And uh, we're gonna be learning about uh, uh, all kinds of flying stuff, I guess. So anyways, uh, if you haven't already signed up your kids, make sure and do that. If you signed up to help with VBS, and Janet has not talked to you yet, make sure you see her before you leave because she's been trying to get a hold of everybody that signed up but has not had success with everybody that signed up. If you're sitting here thinking, oh gosh, I would help, see her before you leave too uh, because we still need lots of help to make this uh, as uh, big a success as it possibly can be. Um, and I'll tell you this, if you ever have thought, gosh, I just don't know anybody at this church, you work for a week with other adults at VBS, you will be, be in the trenches, man. You'll have one of those bonds like soldiers have after they've been to battle. So uh, anyway, I, that may not be a great uh, selling point, huh? Anyway, all right. Uh, sign up for Jam Camp. The Jesus Arts and Music Camp uh, is coming in July. It's $200 to send your child for the week. If you can't afford that, let me know. We have uh, scholarships available. And if you are interested in sponsoring a kid uh, to go to jam camp, let me know that as well because we are starting to run uh, low on sponsorships. So part 43 of this lesson series looking at the story of the Bible and today the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. It's found in Acts chapter 8. And uh, this is sort of the story where the church is starting to learn just how serious God was where Jesus was when he said, everybody's welcome. Just how serious he was when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. That word that he uses in Matthew 28 for every nation literally means every race, every different kind of human that there is on the planet. You go and make disciples of those people. And then in Acts chapter one, he says, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. And now they're starting to figure out exactly what that means. And they're, they're realizing this is just God making good on what he said he was going to do from the very beginning of this whole dream of rescuing all of humanity. When he came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he said to him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. All of them. But see, as, as, the, as Abraham's children became a nation, and as that nation sort of started going on in its history, they started to get this faulty view that they were God's favorite people, and God hated everybody else. And throughout the Old Testament, God's trying to tell the Jewish people, no, 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 no. You are my holy nation. 
You're my kingdom of priests. You're the people that are going to bring God to the rest of the world. And basically what he was getting ready, setting up to do was to send his son through that nation who then would rescue all of us. But throughout their history, he's constantly trying to set them straight. He's trying to tell them all the time. And in uh, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, he says to the prophet Isaiah, he says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus dies and is resurrected and when he ascends to heaven and the church begins on the day of Pentecost, it begins in Jerusalem. Remember he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then as, as the church started to expand and they started to go outside of Jerusalem into the surrounding countryside of Judea, that second part of Jesus' promise was fulfilled, that Jerusalem, Judea. When the persecution begins, we talked about the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr last week. And then when that happened, they started persecuting all of the Christians. And the Christians in Jerusalem scattered. The next place that they end up is in Samaria to the north which is still, they're sort of like second cousins to the Jews, I guess you could say. They hated each other throughout uh, history, but now when the Christians, these brand new Jewish Christians go up into Samaria, they're, they're like, well, okay, they're Samaritans, but everybody's welcome. And so they, they started converting people up there and the church is growing up there. And so you've got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the final part of Jesus's plan to the uttermost parts of the earth. Today we look at the first sort of outreach to the uttermost parts of the earth. In this guy, we just call him the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, who was this guy? Well, we know that he was an Ethiopian. We know that he was the, the head financial officer, the head of the treasury for the, the country of Ethiopia, the kingdom of Ethiopia. He, he was basically the CFO right? The chief financial officer. He was the secretary of the treasury. He was incredibly powerful. He would have been incredibly wealthy, incredibly important, but he's also a eunuch. And you had to be back in those days to rise up within the palace, you know, power structures because the, the, the royals were very concerned about making sure that nobody could say that the prince was not the king's son. And so if you were going to end up in a, in a palace in the ancient world, this was the price. You, only eunuchs, people that had be, been uh, surgically altered so that they could no longer father children. Now you might be thinking, so why are we talking about this on Father's Day? Isn't this kind of a weird thing to be talking about on Father's Day? Um, when I was in preaching class, uh, when I was going through Bible college back in my sophomore year, uh, I almost dropped that class. Like two weeks left to go, and I was just, uh, I can't do this. I can't. And Judy was, if Judy hadn't have been there, I would have totally dropped it. But one of the, one of the guys, uh, or one of the things that my professor was just big on was what he called calendrical preaching. In other words, preaching according to the calendar. So if it's Christmas, you talk about the birth of Jesus. If it's Easter, you talk about the resurrection of Jesus. That's just what you do because people are already thinking about it. And so he had us for one of our last assignments. We were supposed to fill out a year-long calendar, uh, a, a schedule of every sermon that we would give. If like we, 
one day ever ended up preaching in a church and had to give 52 sermons in a year. And so I was doing another class, a uh, paper on the prophet Hosea. And uh, Hosea is fascinating story, heartbreaking story in a lot of ways, and then a lot of redemption too about a prophet of God who marries a prostitute, brings her home, uh, she, she changes her life, they have children, and then at one point she ends up abandoning her family and going back to the life that she had lived before. And so I was like, well, I'm already doing this, this uh, paper on Hosea. I'll just take my headings from my paper. I'll fill them all into these Sundays and we'll go on. And so I turned it in and I get it back and it's got a big F on it. And I'm like, it says, if you want a different grade, come see me. And so I went to see him in his office and he, I said, why the F? And he said, well, take a look and see if you can tell me. And I'm looking through it and I'm like, no, it looks fine to me. He says, look in May. So I look in May, I'm like, yeah, what? And he goes, what's May 16th? And I'm like, Mother's Day? He goes, yeah, and what are you preaching on on Mother's Day? He's like, the day that Hosea's wife leaves his family and him and goes back to the life that she had been in before. And I'm like, oh, maybe not such a good, we'll take a break on Mother's Day from the book of Hosea and we'll talk about, you know. Uh, and so, I'm hoping that he's not like, you know, somewhere watching this podcast right now going, oh, Ed, talking about this on Father's Day. But really, I think, I think this might be the perfect day to talk about this because there is a lot of pain that can surround this particular holiday, right? Just like at Christmas, where it's a season of joy, but there is a lot of pain associated with it for a lot of people. And that doesn't always get talked about. Mother's Day, same thing. Father's Day, same thing. And today we're going to hear the story about a guy who through, I think, probably no, it probably was a choice that was made for him, ends up with a life that he never chose, but he can't really go back to. He can't change who he is. And so he's just kind of stuck. And what we learn in this story is that there is grace and redemption for everybody that the everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible, signs that Jesus lives his life with, that he hands off to the church, and that we're supposed to go through this life with, that those apply to everybody, no matter what kind of brokenness may be in your past. And so, like I said, this guy, it was probably done to him as a child, either because he was a slave, or, even more heartbreaking, oftentimes, Families would do this to their firstborn or secondborn son, one of their sons, hoping that he would then rise up through the ranks in the palace and pull the family out of uh, poverty and, uh, and make a better life for the rest of the family. You're just like, what? how heartbreaking that is. Uh, that, how heartbreaking. So this guy has come to Israel and he is going to, he wants to, Worship the God of Israel. And uh, he's gone to Jerusalem. We'll get into a little bit more about what happens there. But he's on his way home. And God comes to Philip. Sends an angel to Philip and says, Philip, I want you to go down to the road, the desert road that runs between Jerusalem and Gaza. And, and then I'll tell you what to do. So Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes and does what God asks him to do. He gets there and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch riding by on his chariot reading the scroll of Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, you go run up next to that chariot and stay with it. 
And so Philip does it. He runs up next to the chariot. He's running along. He looks at the guy. He says, hey, I see you're reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, no, how can I if nobody explains it to me? And so he invites him up into the chariot. What the Bible says then is, starting with that very passage that the Ethiopian was reading. It was from Isaiah 53. We've talked about it a lot over this last year, going through the story of the Bible. It's the description of the suffering servant that would come, and when he came, he would, he would set everything right, and his sacrifice would bring about the healing of the nations. And so the guy's reading about him, and he says, tell me, who is this that the author is writing about? Is it, is it the author himself, or is it somebody else? And all the Bible says is, starting with that very passage, Philip preached Jesus to him. And it changed this guy's life. And the next thing that the Bible says after he had Jesus preach to him was, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And so they go down into the water. Philip baptizes this guy. And then the Holy Spirit takes him away. Don't know what that must have looked like. But uh, I would have thought that the Ethiopian would be all bummed. He's not. He is going away rejoicing because he has a newfound hope that he never dreamed he would find. And he takes that hope back to Ethiopia. And we don't know exactly what happened. We do know this. When Christianity finally makes its way to that part of Africa, somebody has been preparing the soil. Somebody has been planting seeds. And it just takes off like a fire that's had gasoline poured on it in that part of the world. It spreads faster in Africa than it does in Europe. And most scholars say, yeah, it's probably because of that one guy from Acts chapter 8 that took that, that message back and, and changed the world. So in the time that we've got left, I want to take a look at, oh, no, we have a video clip, don't we? Yes, I almost saw, oh boy, that would have been a bummer. Remember I told you on Mother's Day as I showed you all those chick flick clips that uh, on Father's Day we would have explosions and we would have action? Let's watch this.
He loves it. But see, in order to make plans come together, it requires our cooperation, our participation. If Philip had said, no, I don't think I'm going there, then this whole plan would have had to go to plan B, and who knows what that was. But, well, that leads us to the three uh, points for today, the three things that uh, we want to focus on uh, that we learn from this story about conversion. And the first one is this, that conversion is God's dream. It's his dream, it's his plan, it's his business, and he uses us to, to bring that about in each other. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met the, an Ethiopian eunuch. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. See, this is God's business. This is how he works. He, he moves us into place, and he uses us to be a blessing to other people that need that blessing in their lives. And then those people, when they get to know Jesus, then he will start to use them to move them into position so that they can be a blessing in other people's lives. And it's so important that Jesus' followers actually follow directions. That we actually do what he asks us to do. When he says to, to Philip, you go to that chariot and you stay near it. I always thought that was weird. Why does he say that? Why does he say go there and stay there? Because the Jews abhorred eunuchs. It was like the worst thing that you could be. Even though it, it wasn't even necessarily their choice. As a matter of fact, almost always, very rarely was it a person's own choice. It was almost always that choice had been made for them. But if Philip had just been working off of his own sensibilities, he would have gotten close to the, to the chariot and recognized, oh, that's a eunuch. And then he would have turned around and gone the other direction. And so I imagine, I don't know if you've ever tried to do what God was asking you to do, but what happens to me is I have my first initial reaction and then I have this, oh, yeah, okay, sorry about that. No, shake that off and do what God asked you to do, right? On my best days, that's, that's what I do. But that first reaction, I imagine Philip sat there and looked and was like, okay, no, no, I can't do this. It's like, no, stay there. Just, okay, all right, you know, and so Philip does. Philip is starting to get a picture of what, of just how far Jesus is, is going when he says, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. And so we start out learning that, that this is, it's God's dream, it's God's business, it's God's plan. He wants to use us to bless other people just like he used other people to bless us. It's just this great big cycle that he tries to set in motion. Second thing we learn is that conversion happens in community. Community is so important. We live in such an individualistic society now and we think, oh, well, I can just get all my spiritual needs met by myself. And yeah, there's some things that, that happen on a very personal level, but most of the growth that you or I go through will happen in community. In Acts chapter 8, verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. Now, two miracles happen here. The first is that Philip is willing to follow through with what the Spirit asked him to do. That's a miracle. Second miracle is that this Ethiopian eunuch 
who has come to Jerusalem with the hope that maybe the God of Israel is different. Maybe the God of Israel is, is different than everybody else, that, he won't, that that's the one place on earth that he won't be rejected. He comes, and I'll share with you in a minute what he, he, he would have been rejected. There was no admittance for eunuchs into the temple of God. And now he is on his way home. And suddenly there is a Jewish guy who now has got to represent everything, I mean, just everything that he went through in Jerusalem. But this guy is all of a sudden running next to him saying, hey, do you need some help understanding what you're reading? Now it's almost like you can hear God saying, I love it when a plan comes together. Because the eunuch says, you, you know, you'd kind of expect him to say, from you? No, I don't need any help from you. I don't need anything from any of your people ever again. Especially not from somebody that doesn't have their own chariot. You know, why, why would I listen to you? No, the guy says, come on up here. Explain this to me. And so in Acts chapter 8, verse 35, we read that after he had had Jesus preach to him, as they rode along, they come to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And I don't know if you can hear the question behind the question. I always thought that was a strange way to phrase it. Why can't I be baptized? If, if that was me and I'm riding along with Philip, I'm going, look, there's water. Baptize me. Right? It's more of a statement than it is a question. Why does he ask? Why can't I be baptized? And I have a feeling it's because he had been rejected in Jerusalem. And now he's afraid that even though Philip is telling him all about this guy named Jesus who lived his life as though everybody was welcome and nobody's perfect and anything's possible, that even though Philip's explaining this to him, that when he said, okay, baptize me, that Philip would be like, you? Get out of town, man. What do you think, you know? And that's why community is so important. Because you can read about this guy. You can read about him and, and see who he is and what he says. But one of, one of the greatest tragedies that exists on this earth is that oftentimes the people that claim to speak for God don't necessarily express his values that he expresses in the scriptures. And that leads to the third thing that we learn in this story about conversion is that it's for everybody. Now, what is it that brought this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, that even though he was powerful, even though he was rich, he would have, he would have been ostracized even in his own nation. He's not getting invited to dinner parties, you know? And he's never going to have a family of his own. And this guy, what brought him to Jerusalem? Well, we know that when he's writing away from Jerusalem, he's reading Isaiah 53, this this description of the suffering servant, the one who when he came, he would set everything right. He would bring about the healing of the nations. But I don't think that's what brought him to Jerusalem in the first place. I think what brought him to Jerusalem in the first place is something that he would have read in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 5, where the Bible says, Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, The Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I will give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. And so with that 
description of the God of Israel. The one who says, within the walls of my house, I will give you a name. He's like, I got to go to that house. I got to go. I got to see. Because I don't know about you. I read that. It sounds like the God of Israel has got a big sign up on the temple saying, everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible. And he gets to Jerusalem and he starts to go into the temple and he stopped. And they said, not you. You don't get to come in here. No eunuchs allowed. And he turns around and gets in his chariot and he's riding away and he is pouring over Isaiah 53 because he's trying to understand what happened. What did I misunderstand? And so when Philip comes, he's like, who is this guy? Is, is, this, the, is this Isaiah writing about himself or was it somebody else? And Philip says, well, let me tell you about this guy. And as he starts to tell him about Jesus, suddenly in this Ethiopian's mind, Jesus is no longer this, this figure of suffering and weakness that he sees in Isaiah 53. To him now, <laughs> Jesus is an action hero. Let's watch this.
Ethiopian, that's what Jesus is starting to look like, right? He's hanging on the cross. It looks bad. He's like, don't worry. I got this, right? And as we go through our lives, same thing. It's like, we're like, hey, I thought, I thought everybody was welcome. I thought nobody's perfect. I thought, how come? And it's almost like Jesus saying, I got this, okay? I know it looks bad right now. I know that it feels bad right now. I know that sometimes my people claim to speak for me, and the, the biggest tragedy is we believe them, right? Never. See, community is important, right? And, and we want to make sure that, that, that we are telling people about who God is by how we live our lives and how we treat them. We talked last week about, you know, well, what does that mean then about about influence and, and speaking up for the truth and it's all kind of wrapped up together and it is not easy and it, it takes a lot of, of, of creativity and a lot of prayer and a lot of this but it's like if somebody ever makes you feel like you are just that, that, that Jesus does it that you're not welcome don't believe them okay believe Jesus and then go to, go to him and, and find out and what we learn in this story got to wrap this all up right now but what we learn in this story is that how we treat other people in community carrying the message of Jesus into the world that matters and how people treat us as they bring Jesus's message into the world that matters and yeah sometimes signals get crossed and sometimes things get short-circuited and 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 we find ourselves in places we never thought we would be. And then the question is, well, what now? It's like, well, Jesus says, come on back. Come on back. And as his community, then, then, then he says to us, hey, I need you to go down to that road, that desert road, right? And I need you to go over there, and I need you to stay there. And we're like, but why? Oh, no, you just go down there. This is just kind of showing us how, how conversion works and how Jesus works and how important all of it goes and how it just comes back again to that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible model of Jesus's. We're going to see it over and over and over. Next week, it's going to be tested again as the guy that has been killing Christians, a guy named Saul, is going to be converted and brought into the church, and his name is going to get changed to Paul and the Christians, some of whom Paul was responsible for the murder of their loved ones. They're going to be like, this guy too? He's welcome? He's, I mean, we knew he's not perfect, but... <laughs> And so as we go through this series, I just hope that's what you'll start, keep thinking about. What is this going to look like in my life? What is it going to look like for me to go through this life saying, everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible. That's true for me. That's true for all of you. That's true for every human being you will ever come in contact with today. The Ethiopian eunuch was the first test case. Father, we are so grateful for your son and for this, this model of life that he teaches. Lord, we, we love it that when he looks at us, he's, he says, you're not perfect and that's okay. You're forgiven and anything's possible when you live within my love. We love that for us. Sometimes it's hard when we realize that you mean that for other people too. So help us to, to become more like your son, to live out that model in our lives every day to join with you in changing the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, instead of our regular closing song, we're going to play the Father's Day slideshow again. If you got here late and didn't see it, you can stick around and watch it again. If you, were already, if you already saw it, 
uh, you guys are free to leave. If you want to come back and eat, that'll be at 1. And if you want to grill, starting at 12, see me.